0: Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org. Thread. Hi there, this is Chuck Quinley, and we're back for episode 10 of Thread. And I want to say thanks to everybody who's been leaving comments on the website. Uh, we want these episodes to open up a dialogue and a discussion between us so that we can continue to grow together. And if you don't mind, go to iTunes. Also, look up the show. You can search under Quinley, Thread, and uh, rate the show so that others who come across it can use your judgment to know if they need to look into it or not because we want them there. Um, Today's episode is about the interesting and kind of painful um, dance that goes on between the old guard in uh, in the work of God. For example, older churches, older leaders, older institutions, uh, older ways of seeing it. And these ways have been used by God. They were right in their generation. And now they're just kind of, they're right, but they're old. And they're a little bit out of step with some new things that are coming along because God is always creating. And there's this awkward relationship between those two. If the older guard will have grace and if the younger guard will show respect and go to the old and pull down that um, knowledge that they've gained, this can be a beautiful relationship, but it doesn't always work well. And we're going to talk about that today. So get your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 2, and we'll be right back. All right, we're in Mark chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 13. And today, I'm not going to read this, but I will uh, We'll just scan through it. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, Jesus has gone down by the sea. A big multitude has gone with him. He has passed by, and there outside under the shade is a tax desk. And this, these are not taxes being paid to Jewish authorities. They're being paid to Roman authorities who are occupiers in their country. They've been there for over 100 years and they won't leave. They were asked to come in by one, one group among the Jews when there was an internal disturbance, and they came, and then they just stayed. And a lot of Jews hated them, and were um, uh, just really grieved at the presence of these foreigners and their military that ruled their nation. And other Jews looked at these foreigners and said, well, you know, they brought order to us. They're they're good for the people, and, well, anyway, it's a job. And so they went to work for them, which kind of makes them collaborators, if you're thinking about it in military terms. And Matthew is one of those. He has gotten a job at in the worst possible department. This is the taxation department. So he brings Roman taxation down on Jews and makes them pay. And he is uh, apparently the head of the office, and so he's sitting there, and Jesus walks up to him and this, you know, pretty good job that he's got and he says to him leave your job follow me and uh, Matthew apparently knows Jesus Jesus knows him enough that he wants him and he Matthew rises up gives no hesitation gives no notice just says sorry guys I'm gonna have to resign today I'm going to follow rabbi Jesus and he goes home tells his wife And they decide to have, instead of his wife grieving over this, she's apparently a woman of faith also. And they throw a party for all of his collaborator friends. And they come together, and all the tax collectors are there. Not just the tax collectors, but other people whose lifestyle is clearly outside of the ways of God. These are, you know, when the Bible uh, uses this expression, tax collectors and sinners. It signifies people who, by their vocation or by their morality, place themselves outside of God's people. And, you know, some vocations, you just can't do them as a Christian. I know people that have outreaches to strippers in Las Vegas, but at the end of the day, it has to be leave your job and follow Jesus. It can't be let Jesus bless your life as a stripper and give you all that you're dreaming of because that's not what the gospel says. And so, you know, there are people and their very occupation, the way they make their money, puts them outside of the people of God. And Matthew was one of those. And his friends were part of that until Jesus called them to come inside the people of God. And they're sitting there together and uh, Jesus is there. His disciples are there, which is pretty controversial because it, it looks like an endorsement of all these people. And um, and you know, I learned I learned this. I can't say I learned it in the states. I learned this in the Philippines, because Filipinos. I was there for the great Philippine outpouring of the '90s, and we had a new church planted there every eight hours. And I saw hundreds of people come to faith in Christ and really change their lifestyle. And the Philippine style of evangelism is the best thing I can call it is evangelism by inclusion and you just make them your friend, love them so much, and you eat together a lot, and something happens around the dinner table. God gives chances for people to share their life and what the Lord's done for them, and you just watch it happen almost like osmosis. Over time, so much of God's grace is being deposited into these people, and there will come a day that they will understand it. They'll have conviction for their sin. The Spirit will grip them, and when it's ripe, Uh, the fruit in them is ripe, they will be ready, and they will repent, and they will leave that lifestyle. And so Jesus is sitting there, and uh, I can't tell. I think in verse 16, it means that Matthew also invited scribes and Pharisees. Uh, I don't know if they came inside or if they're outside. I would think they'd be outside, because these guys are so hardcore and so judgmental. So I'm going to assume they're outside the house, and they're sitting in judgment over what Is going on inside the house, and they ask this question: How in the world? How is it? Verse sixteen, that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners, because to eat with people in the Middle East is to uh, to say that they're your brother. You know that you're in fellowship with them, and these religious people were so focused on each other's opinion. You know they judged each other constantly, and they sat in fear. Of being judged by one another. And so, you know, that was their life. That was the way they lived. And Jesus doesn't seem to, you know, be doing much uh, image management here. He is not caring about conservative religious people and their opinion of him, He cares about sinners and their opinion of him. And, you know, that's an early lesson that I learned about um, my own ministry and my lifestyle is that you have to decide who you want to impress. And if you're really trying to reach lost people, then you need to do everything in your power to let them notice you, feel your love, and realize that there's an opportunity to connect with you, that you are reaching out to them, and you're okay being their friend. Now, if you don't reach out to that group, you're going to get all caught up in uh, trying to impress other Christians and, even worse, the conservative religious element is always the most vocal and uh you can just run yourself crazy and take all your own liberty away so that you can't do anything because of those people you're so afraid of one little word of criticism coming from them and then even worse when you start having children you'll hear yourself saying things to them that it really does make yours a showcase family you're there to be seen and And you can end up with these families in the ministry that are telling their kids, you can't do this, you can't do that. And everybody in the house knows this is not a value of ours. We don't have convictions about this. Yeah, but the people will say. And you start living your whole life like that. Really, brother, you're already a hypocrite because that's what it means. Hypocrite means play actor. You are involved in a drama and you are being observed and you are playing to the crowd for the reward of their applause. And you're made for better things than that. Live your life, enjoy your life, and live it to the Lord. And Jesus knows the Father is not offended by him being in that house. And Jesus lived his life for an audience of one. And what the Father felt, that was the end of the story. And you just that's why you get persecuted, is because you live that way. And those who live in obedience to the Father will be persecuted. It's one of the messages of this book is that as you walk in true discipleship, you will be walking with attention, even among other people who who believe in their hearts, they're walking with God. And that kind of builds us up to our second section here, because these guys are watching him make himself unclean. And Jesus says in verse 17, one of his core doctrines, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call righteous people, but sinners to repent. And, uh, you know, sinners are not well. That's the point. Jesus is our physician. He is our spiritual physician. He is our physical physician. And sinners are not well. They are sick. They need a physician. And someone has to enter into fellowship with them. And through that fellowship, get into their heart. So they will listen when you call them to repent. You issue God's call that they must repent. And because you do it as an insider, you have influence. If you just rail at them from the street, you know, you have no influence. And the disciples of John, John was a very conservative. He's the last Old Testament prophet, and he was of the most conservative element in Judaism his lifestyle his food choice everything about john he didn't drink alcohol he ate very meager amounts of food he wore scratchy clothes on purpose so that he would not be comfortable you know he he fits in with that holiness lifestyle that a lot of groups have adopted in their effort to not be of the world and that is a very noble Um, goal that you don't want to be worldly you don't want to follow the fashions of the world and be like the people of the world and so you want to be different you want to be distinct but after a while if you're not careful you are not doing this unto the Lord you are doing it because of your group your conservative group dominates your life and you judge each other and you just write each other's case all the time and so John the Baptist uh, has a set of disciples. And the whole ministry of John was to call the nation to repentance and point out the sin that was in the system and to tell them that the Lord was there, that a a door was open for them to escape the coming judgment. And Jesus admires John so much. The disciples of John come and the disciples of the Pharisees. They fast twice a week, by the way. And when they came and saw him, they said, Hey, why do we fast? Now, you knew they were fasting because they put charcoal on their face and they sat in the public places and they interceded all day so everybody would hear their prayer. And and it was intended, on the good side, to stimulate godly fear and that people heard the earnest prayers for their nation and that it made them think about their own spiritual life. And I I think there's nothing necessarily wrong with practice, but it had become a ritual for them. And for the Pharisees, at least, I would say disciples of John are very sincere. And Jesus uh, tends to uh, take the disciples of John. After John is beheaded, the disciples of John seem to become the disciples of Jesus, too. And they they just join his group. We know two of his inner circle disciples had been first disciples of John. So they ask this question, why are we always fasting? We never see your disciples fasting. They, they don't join us. Uh, we don't ever see you by the market fasting. We don't see you guys with the same level of strictness in your life that than we do. You drink wine and you go to parties and we don't we never go to parties and you know now you're with these people and they, they just don't understand it. It's a conflict in their heart. you know they they trusted Jesus' spiritual, But they look more spiritual than him, according to their their worldview. And so, first he addresses their fasting question. You know, if you're at a party and the bridegroom is there and you've got this, he's with you, are you going to go in? Is that the time to do a fast? He says, the day is coming, verse 20, when the bridegroom is not there and you've got heavy burdens and yes, then you fast in those days, verse 20. They'll fast, you know, trust me, they're going to be fasting. But just not now. And then verse 21, he really gets to the heart of the matter. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskin. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine skins and here we come to a very important topic i might wish i'd saved a little more time for this um fabric and form you know there's nothing more beautiful if you've ever been part of the forming of a new social fabric a church a cell group uh, outreach Uh, Anything that draws people together and that God does this amazing work and you all become one people and each one of your lives gets tangled up with the other one and God weaves this thread of relationship. Uh, That's been the joy of my life and every time we've, especially church planting does this in such a deep way. And uh, the best friends I've ever had in my life I have because of church planting as we just pour out our life together and we sacrifice and we spend so much time together and we pray together and we agonize and we celebrate and we rejoice. And it's just beautiful. And God is weaving that cloth together. But over time, one by one threads get pulled out. Someone dies. Someone moves to another place. Someone by circumstance uh, is removed from the cloth uh, and Little by little, the cloth starts to have uh, holes in it, see-through spots. There used to be a person there, and now there's nobody there. And uh, but the relational uh, solidarity is complete. I mean, this this cloth has gone through hot water, and we've been through battles together, and we shrunk, but we stayed. That, that made us even tighter. And now though, and we you know we're one group, and. To try to add new people after we have all this history together, and this is one of the things that keeps churches from growing, we have all this history together, and now to try to add somebody new to this group after, let's say, 5 or 10 years, uh, inclusion becomes a real issue here because these people have their own dynamic, and that dynamic doesn't always walk with the way we've always been, and there's a pulling inside and Jesus is concerned about tearing, uh, tearing things related to God. He does not casually say, "Oh, let's just get a new." You know, let's just. Who cares about the old? He cares. The old has been faithful for many years. It paid the price. It brought us to where we're at. He cares about the old garment. He doesn't want it to be torn. The tear is the cause of his concern. Christ wants to avoid damage to spiritual fabrics. But God is always weaving new fabric. So what to do with the new fabric? You see, the kingdom way is a new way. And the kingdom way requires new ways of judging and thinking. Its energy cannot be contained in old forms. And he, he talks about now the, the new wine. He says, you know, you get a, a wine skin that's made out of animal skin, and there's a bladder inside, and, you know, you put wine in it, it ferments and it stretches that thing out. It's good for one good stretch, and it doesn't break because of that stretch. But then, it you know, it finds it's, uh, that's the end of it. It's, it's got one good stretch, and it's done. One dynamic move And that wineskin has been stretched. What are we talking about? Organizations, okay? First we were talking about social fabric. Now we're talking about organizations. These organizations came to be because there was an issue that needed to be addressed. There were needs that were not being met, and courageous people rose up, formed an organization of some sort, and this thing addressed the problem at hand, And in most cases, dealt with the problem at hand. And in doing that, they stretched to their maximum stretch. And they dealt with their uh, giants. And they killed the giants. Okay, now what? Do you disband the organization? We will almost never do that. And because of that, now you've got this organization. It served a purpose, a noble purpose. But that purpose has largely been fulfilled. And now you've got an old form But God keeps making new wine. He didn't quit making wine just because you stretched your one time. And sadly, most wineskins are not up for a second stretch. It's really almost impossible to get an organization. Every now and then you'll see, uh, because it can be done, it's just whether you're willing to go through the pain of change. Because healthy things grow, growing things change, but change brings pain and you can keep growing if you can deal with the pain. And if you will keep allowing more pain to come, you can just keep growing and growing and growing. But most wineskins, hey, maybe that's true about families too. But I know it's true about organizations. Now to Jesus, the uh, fabric is valuable. And the skin, the wineskin, that's valuable. And the wine is is valuable. He does not want this wine wasted. And he said, if you put new wine in this old bottle, uh, wine skin, it is going to expand it beyond its ability to take it. And there's going to be a tear. And there's going to be a break. And the wine is going to get spilled. And the wine skin is going to be ruined. And that does not honor God. If you're in an old group and it does not want to change, do not torment this old group he says finally he's he's giving a practical resolution to this and it's a sad resolution but in practice it's pretty much what you always need to do verse 22 the last sentence but new wine must must new wine must be put into new wineskins we should celebrate the birth of new ministries and new coverings and forms. Uh, those of us who have worked hard to be part of a covering don't think yours is the only one, or that you're the right one, and that anyone else who is putting something together is somehow rebellious and against you. We, God forbid, we should ever persecute it, because the new work that's being started right now is a few years from now an old wine skin. That's going to have to be bypassed. So let the old wineskin run its course. And then lay it aside with honor. Because the, you know, that skin is good for the generation that built it. And that generation will also pass away. And it's just uh, this transition of, of seasons. It's really important. Because if we don't keep passing the baton. Everything stops. We've got to keep passing the baton. But to think that you can keep all new stuff contained in your old way, in your old friendship circle, just add another person, uh, in your organization's work, just add another department. It doesn't work that way. You've got to spin off new things and you have to celebrate. If you're part of the old, celebrate the new. Thank God that you can be part of launching New things, empowering, blessing, financing, giving wisdom to new startups. And if you're part of the new startup, you need to honor the old. Don't get proud and think you know it all because you're going to be old a lot sooner than you know. And this thing that you're starting that is revolutionary, no one can live without the way you're doing it, it's going to be the next old thing. So let's have grace and humility and let's work with one another as God uses us and continues to move his dynamic kingdom forward into the future. Well, thank you for letting me go on a little bit long today, but I think that was a really important topic, especially when you hit your 40s and beyond, and you're having to look at new things, or even if you're younger and you've got a pioneering spirit, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate the old world that you find yourself in. I want to encourage you to go to EmergeNetwork.org. You'll find lots of helpful resources that will feed your mind and soul. And if you want to check out what's going on with me personally and my family, it's Quinley.com, Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y.com. We welcome your comments and your emails. And you can find links on both websites to talk back to us. Thanks. See you next time. singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.